The professional interests and personal priorities of our hosts result in regular child development coupled with educational and brain learning conversations. Join in as Dr. Larry Mercer and Michelle Charles bring their expertise before the microphone as part of an ongoing dialogue between this father and daughter duo on Let's Build Their Brain. Before we start, I do want to say this episode is a discussion with a licensed professional counselor and a licensed marriage and family therapist specializing in trauma, grief, and anxiety. In an effort to provide support, there is mention of some traumatic topics. Please keep this in mind as you decide when and where to listen to this episode. Although no graphic details are included, you may not want your little ones to overhear this episode. I'm excited that once again, we can get some insight from my sister-in-law, Crystal Mercer, who's a licensed professional counselor and a licensed marriage and family therapist specializing in trauma, grief, and anxiety. I know, Crystal, I've shared with you before that I watch less news these days. I think I've shared that on an episode. Staying up on current events by watching news was a pretty regular occurrence before little man was born and even in some of his early phases of life however now that he's very aware and attuned to his surroundings i want to be really mindful of the thing he's he's exposed to i honestly i do shield him a lot but i also am learning that there are times when i need to shield myself I think the importance of adults limiting their own exposure is often overlooked there's so much more access to information and images than there's ever been in history. With the recent elementary school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, I was horrified by the traumatic event and also shocked at the level of detail we had access to. I found myself on a Sunday morning absorbed into a minute by minute timeline of the horrors that had occurred. I had to stop myself because following every news detail was becoming unhealthy and overwhelming for me. It can be challenging at times to navigate even consuming the news. What suggestions do you have for how we as the adults and caregivers handle our own news intake? I think deciding on what information is important to you and then allowing yourself to limit the excess. There are so many ways to access the news that we don't have to watch the evening news program every night like in the past. We can choose to look up news reports on important issues and skip some of the rest. This is especially important after tragedies when we can be flooded with repeated reports, disturbing images, and upsetting audio. As I've said before, I think knowing when to switch from news intake that incorporates video and audio to news that might be written and can allow us to focus on the facts. Reading an article and not focusing on pictures does not mean we do not feel anything. We continue to have appropriate thoughts and subsequent negative emotions that come with upsetting news. However, the impact of images and audio on our minds has a greater negative effect and can result in higher levels of stress and distress. Hmm. Well, there are times when there is no avoiding or shielding from the negative news. Even when we do our best trying to protect our kids, there's some news that we need to share with them. What's the best way to share that bad news with our children? 
first of all, I would remember to take care of ourselves, um, try to take deep breaths before we're sharing with kids and have our body language be as calm as possible. And then think about the most important facts you believe that your children need to know. Use age appropriate language and do your best to explain. Most importantly, allow them to ask questions and be available to listen carefully. It can be really difficult to listen without interrupting when we desperately want to protect them, fix things, and make things better. However, allowing them to say what they need to say is really important. We also want to monitor their ongoing emotional states while trying to maintain routines. For young children, we should not only limit television viewing related to bad news, but also be mindful of adult conversations that children might overhear. We know they are often absorbing information while they play and their attention seems otherwise occupied. For our youngest children, there are also a variety of books that can be used to explain some life experiences. Um, one that I really like is Once I Was Very, Very Scared by Chandra Ghosh Ipin. And also I Miss You, this one's about grief and that's by Leslie Harker and that addresses grief. And those I know you're gonna include in your internet byline yes that'll be in the show description show notes so that you can Thank find you. some of these resources at crystal references so when a child has been more closely impacted by news or is more anxious than might be typical it can be a good time to review safety plans and if your child does not get back to his or her typical self after some time seeking professional support can be helpful okay i want to go back to something you talked about which i realize is so so true how kids might be seeming preoccupied with something else but they're hearing what's going on around them what would be your suggestion of how to respond when your child might be with another adult and you're there as well but that other adult is sharing information with you that you aren't really comfortable with your child hearing I think sometimes we have to be direct with those other adults and say, uh, can we talk about this later? And then depending on how much has been said, a follow-up discussion with your child might be warranted. So saying to your child, honey, do you have any questions about anything you heard? Could be a good way to open up a conversation. Okay. So sometimes you open up the conversation for this, sometimes not. But what's a good way to respond to the inquisitive kid who's asking questions maybe for answers or details that you realize that's not helpful or age appropriate for me to share yes that can be really tough again we want to protect them and i think we sometimes have to work really hard to find those right words and give them some kind of honest answer kids are so resourceful in learning and overhearing information <laughs> We want them to have the right information. So it's important it's to find some way to answer their question. So we don't wanna just kind of sugarcoat things too much or be dishonest to protect them. Um, in a pinch, you could certainly say, let me find the answer to your question and I'll get back to you. And then you could think about your wording, consult with others you trust, but it's important to go back to the child and answer the question, even if it's an uncomfortable one. I've certainly worked with some families who had really good intentions to share information when children were older and just kept putting things off. And unfortunately, there were often some really negative consequences to keeping secrets or, you know, maybe being dishonest. However, I think it's also important to recognize the resilience of children. 
when there has been more exposure to media or adult conversations than we like, a direct conversation can be very helpful in preventing anxiety or distress. All right. Older children, they have access to information that you may not be able to shield them from, that you as the parent or caregiver might not be able to filter. Maybe it's from peers, from their phones, social media, TV, lots of different sources. How do we help those children who are older? I say children, those kids, those teens, and they might get access to information that we aren't able to filter beforehand. That's an excellent question because we really are talking about how to help older children regulate themselves. Hmm. Once kids have access to smart devices, they learn really quickly how to access information. Once they have their own devices, it becomes important for them to learn how to manage their consumption. And even adults have issues with too much time on our phones. Yeah. I, I work with teenagers more often than younger children, and I do have discussions with them about the impact of social media and other media. I like to talk about the increase in perceived danger versus the in an increase in real danger. And ultimately, they have to learn to limit themselves. Asking them to monitor how they feel after extended use of social media can also be helpful. Like start paying attention to how you feel when you've kind of been on for a while. And then we also need to teach young people online etiquette etiquette and balance, especially as we get into social media. There are some video resources online about social media etiquette that I think are really helpful for those teens as they get to social media age. As adults, we can model healthy behavior by not having our phones out during meals and also putting them away before bed so they're not disrupting our, our sleep preparation routines. And most importantly, the relationships that these children have with supportive adults are important for them to be able to process upsetting information they might receive. Having direct conversations about what's going on in the news and listening actively to what they're saying. And if they feel heard and supported, they're more comfortable going to adults as needed. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to take us a slightly different direction, but that triggered even today I was having with my guy a conversation just reminding about one one conversation we have about adults and hopefully in his world we build and create other like you mentioned trusted adults to go to and I've told him they're his safe people where if if someone says, oh, you have to keep this a secret or, oh, you can't tell anyone, I said, you should always be able to tell one of your safe people. They said they might yeah. be confused and think it's more of a, a surprise, but they say secret. So you could always check with the other person who they who maybe someone they didn't name to keep it from. But it, when you brought up relationships and them feeling like they could go to another adult, that was like, I, you know, I hadn't thought about it when it comes to the processing of these tragic events, but they might be more comfortable going to someone else in their world who they can feel safe going to to process the information. Absolutely. And I think that's an excellent point that you bring up. I'll say in working with kids and teenagers for so many years, sometimes parents are a little disappointed that sometimes especially their older kids and teens might go to another adult before they go to them but sometimes there's just like different levels of comfort depending on what you might want to talk about so i love what you're saying about you know talking with kids about the difference between a secret and a surprise hmm. Okay, sorry I took us on a different direction there, but I felt like that was kind of along the lines or it made me think of a conversation we had. So what's the best way to help a, a 
child know and maybe even sometimes want to process the tough news that they might be hearing other places. You know they've heard about it. You know they've seen it because it's all over the news, all over social media, but they haven't talked to you about that. What do we do in those situations? I mean, wanting to process tough stuff is something that's really difficult to get to. Um, I think media can be very helpful with that, including books. I think it certainly depends on both the age of the kid and the type of tough news that we're talking about. There are really a variety of good books that can help explain things for younger children. Um, I mentioned Once I Was Very, Very Scared by Chandra Ghosh-Apin. Um, that's just one example, and there are many more books as well as appropriate online resources. So knowing each individual child, that can be a good way to try to encourage them to process. Um, also, it just kind of came to mind that talking about how you'll actually feel better when you talk about it, you know, encouraging them, like, once you get this out, you'll feel better. But the National Child Traumatic Stress Network is a great resource for some guidance on how to talk to kids and also resources for how to talk to kids. So okay. again, that direct conversation is really important. Often adults are so uncomfortable with the bad news and are carrying their own pain that they want to believe that children are okay. And this leads to a lot of missed opportunities for supporting children. While it's typical to want to avoid some of these uncomfortable conversations, the best way to help a child process information is through discussion with a caring adult. So, so important. Well, I want to, since we have a professional here in this area of expertise, I like to each time kind of ask you this so that those listeners might be able to know how to seek out some professional help and what to expect from that help if needed. So what would you say are some clues someone should watch for that they need to get professional help or they need to help someone else with that? Thinking kind of in the line of different traumatic news that you might have to share, whether it's in a family or in a community, some of the symptoms we might look for are some of the trauma symptoms. So just to name a few, having decreased concentration, not being able to concentrate as well as before, uh, sleep disturbances, and then feeling triggered by reminders of an overwhelming event, those might be signs that someone could use some professional support. And these are just a few potential signs of traumatic stress. There are really too many to list in in a short discussion. That makes sense. And thank you for sharing those. How would you suggest someone go about that process? They recognize some of these signs or other signs of traumatic stress and realize professional help is what's needed. What are the next steps that someone could take? It's always a good idea if you have a trusted clinician or family doctor that you trust to get a referral from them um, or going through your insurance website. There's lots of online reviews you can look through. Also, Psychology Today's Find a Therapist is a favorite resource to really look for a clinician. There are more options than ever for virtual therapy, and for some people that's more comfortable. And we can always call 211 for community resources. And then children in school might start with a meeting with a campus counselor or social worker. And during a crisis, teens and adults can text, text HELP to 741741, and that will allow them to text with a trained crisis counselor. And then anyone can contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. 
I will make sure that these resources you're mentioning are included in the show description, show notes, where you can refer back to that as needed. What might someone expect when they're ready to reach out and get professional help? Well, one of my colleagues likes to say that finding the right therapist can be like finding a favorite pair of shoes. And <laughs> it's okay if you don't find the perfect fit the first time. And this is true for adults and children. So I do think that's something to consider. Younger children will generally benefit from specialized play therapy rather than talk therapy. And I'm really talking about kids under 10. So this is a okay. therapist with a play therapy room where children are able to reenact things in play that have been bothering them. And most children will again benefit from this type of therapy until about age 10, kind of depending on maturity level. So that's just an estimate. But therapy can include education about mental health, training in how to self-regulate your brain and body and other coping skills. In addition to those objectives, processing life events is a primary focus of therapy. Individuals should present their goals for therapy whenever possible. It should be kind of a collaboration between you and a therapist. And finally, I encourage people to consider that therapy is a process that generally takes time. It's not like taking medicine for a few weeks and you're good. Parents should especially consider that their children will need time to connect with the therapist. This can certainly take longer with kids and teens than adults. I encourage oh. parents to talk with the therapist about the treatment plan, to really talk regularly with your child's therapist and try to complete the entire plan rather than ending therapy when your child starts to show early signs of improvement. And the longer we carry burdens or scars from overwhelming life experiences, the longer it could take to heal from those experiences. Wow. Wow. So you talked a little bit about this in your previous comments, but how can we encourage and help someone else to get that professional help that's needed? I think always focusing on expressing your love and concern for your loved one, you know, letting them know that you love them through their struggles, um, you have some concerns, telling them you want them to consider professional support because you want them to feel as happy as possible and you want them to be able to cope with the struggles of school or work. And then depending on the focus of therapy, it might be appropriate to offer to attend a session or a few with them to help them feel comfortable. For parents who need to encourage their children and teens, I recommend making professional support mandatory when you believe it's really beneficial and important. However, you can allow them to give input on which therapist, perhaps by looking at therapist profiles. You can also ask them to try a therapist two or three times. And if they don't like the therapist, you'll allow them to try another. That way they know you believe therapy is important, but they get to have input. Okay. Again, so far, you've already given us lots of practical and applicable things. But as we wrap up our time together, we'll just think about closing out with a few more tips you might want to share. What's the first tip you would give us? I think having mindful moments is the first tip. Taking moments every day, maybe throughout the day, just to check in with your body with deep breaths or perhaps a quick body scan, scanning from your toes to the top of your head, noticing details in nature around you. That's one of my favorite mindful moments. Go outside and just look up at the sky and just notice the blueness of the sky on a pretty day. Hmm. These are great steps to stay grounded in the present. I like to put reminders on my phone and whenever I see the reminder, maybe later on in the day, just taking a moment to breathe and relax my body for a moment. 
Okay, I, I love that one because thinking about the youngest ones, that what you just talked about looking up at the sky, looking at the clouds, is one that we could even teach our youngest oh, yeah. kiddos to do to help them. So that is a great tip that stood out to me. What's another tip you'd like to give us today? I think engaging in enjoyable activities. I know we talked about this a little bit in another episode. Be intentional about incorporating healthy, enjoyable activities, whether that's individually or as a family. Okay. Any final thoughts or another closing tip you'd like to give us as we wrap up this episode? I think remembering that worrying does not make anyone safer. With all the information out there about what can go wrong, faith in God is incredibly important (laughs) to face this scary world. Focusing on each thing that could go wrong or happen with a loved one, it doesn't make them any safer. A convicting comment for me, the worrying does not make anyone any safer, but also reassuring us that we don't have to think, oh, if I worry enough, I'll protect them, mm-hmm. but that we can can have those mindful and enjoyable moments. Well, join us next time for more information and brain building blocks. Please follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Stay connected with Let's Build Their Brain via Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Let's Build Their Brain Pod and on Twitter at Build Their Brain. Thank you for checking back with us each Monday for a new episode. We hope you leave each podcast with practical and applicable suggestions to aid your endeavor of building the brains of the ones you love. Until next time, let's build their brain. Thank you.